So and Weston, what, what's the, what would you want to pass along to other entrepreneurs who might be listening to us to, uh, today on the show about that, about coming into a new neighborhood, a new city and growing your business out there? I mean, what would you want to pass along to that guy? One is you, you have to be willing to put yourself out there. You, you, the business isn't going to come to you because nobody knows you're there. So I was at every rubber chicken dinner, every cocktail party. If I, w I was out a lot, I mean, I was, I was 25 or 26 years old. I was single. What, what better did I have to do than to go to events? I went to political functions. I, I went to chamber of commerce mixers. I went to everything I could possibly go to. And I made a very large network of um, people that I knew, maybe not friends, maybe not, maybe not confidants, but I had a very large network very quickly. Uh, and I very shortly started getting involved. I've always been somebody that feels like you should give back to your community. So uh, very quickly, I was, um, I was doing some consulting work. And uh, the next thing I know, I'm on the board of the United Cambodian Community, the largest Cambodian nonprofit um, outside of, of, of Cambodia. Long Beach is, is, is a huge Cambodian population. Then I was put on the Arts Council for the city of Long Beach. Uh, next thing I know, I'm a workforce commissioner. People saw that I wanted to work. They want, I wanted to be part of solutions. I wanted to roll up my sleeves. Broadcasting from occupied Tongwen Lin in Long Beach, California, this is Wait, Why Am I Talking Podcast. This is Miles here, and I have with me my comrades Jordan and Vic. Vic, how you been doing recently? What's uh, going on? Not too bad, not too bad. Just trying not to have some Starbucks while they do their three-day strike. That's right, good. Don't cross the picket line. Yeah, doing that. Got some work, and then holidays, going back to New York for like 17 days or so. Just nope. chilling. Very nice. Back to the back to New York. I feel like we're about to talk some bad stuff about freelance and gig work, but doesn't sound so bad. Seventeen days, right? Yeah, not too bad That's at true. all. Uh, is there any organization you're part of Vic, that might make this possible? Uh, IATSE, <laughs> yeah, union <laughs> might be the difference between you and the workers. We're going to talk about. Uh -huh. Yeah, Jordan, 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 Jordan. What's going on with you? Uh, not too much. Just been harassing cash for homes businesses for cash for me. Uh, I recently won a judgment in small claims court. Nice. Hey. <laughs> against, a, against a cash for homes business that texted me twice, asked me to sell a property I don't own under the name of a person who doesn't exist, I think. You're literally like the Lord's work. Thank you. On behalf of all of us who are getting these fucking texts too. You know, honestly, you're welcome. This took a lot of work, but it was really isn't about the money. It's about that... Uh, it's about fucking with them. Like they, those idiots had to spend a whole morning in court with me. Nice. Wasted yeah. so much of their time. I mean, any way that you or other individuals can influence the modern paradigm of marketing to make it better for us, please, please do that. Please do that. Yeah. Which, so every time you get a, you know, I'm out there, I'm like, everyone's guardian angel. I'm give, <laughs> give fucking it, around with uh, spam texters. Give a real brief description in case maybe like some of our audience can get inspired. So, not to sound like a, a multi-level marketing scam, but you really can just do this if you Google like American Telephone Consumer Protection Act small claims. It's 
actually not that hard as long as you like, it's kind of like a hobby if you like researching. You just basically get the text of the phone call, get information, pretend to be interested, send a letter that says, I'm going to sue you for $1,500 per phone call. If they don't go through with it and they're in California, you just do what I did. You pay 80 bucks to file a case and get them served. And then you show up and the judge, I walked up and the judge went, oh, I know this exact type of case. I used to do these all the time. Okay. And then he gave me $1,000. That's fucking great. For two text messages. And that isn't even the max. I asked for three. Well, that's fantastic. And if any of our listeners feel inspired, follow through. Go ahead. I mean, fuck it, man. I don't make any money. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, myself, uh, yeah, regular Christmas season things, uh, we're trying to organize com- some community kitchens too, so that'll be great. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, you know, we want to make sure that, uh, we can eat and cook together for the holidays. And then other than that, really not too much, not too much is happening, uh, in between jobs now at the moment. So see what happens there. Is what's that up? community um, kitchen thing? Are they doing like a toy drive or anything? Or what's going nah, on? No, no toy drive. Uh, community kitchen exclusively about cooking and eating together. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll probably do some distribution of, of food to uh, people without homes or experiencing homelessness uh, and work with them to do that. But yeah, no, 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 to- no toy drive. We were involved in a toy drive yesterday, I believe. And that went pretty well. Oh. Me and Vic. Yeah, it was dope. Yeah, our. Uh, Friends at Long Beach in your city news connected us, uh, connected us to that event. So it was good. Cool. But today, for the holiday season, we are going to be talking about uh, the, the, solution, <laughs> the solution to all workers' financial woes during this time of year. Uh, <laughs> the, develop, the further and deep development of gig economy and gig work in United States cities because, well, you know, we don't need a union. Nobody, people don't, workers don't need unions or to like control where they work or anything along those lines. Um, so specifically, we're going to be talking about Pacific Gateway, um, which we, us three, I think, have identified that we feel is part of basically the Long Beach deep state. Damn right. Give what you, do we mean by deep state? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, how do you, how do you all, let's, let's all chime in. What do we think? Yeah, the think? deep, to me, the deep state is like these entities who have tons of access to tons of government cash, right? With that government cash, they're taking some off the top. They all have nice salaries, nice homes. Their friends have nice homes. They have nice websites. They have all this data. But what are they actually doing? Yeah. Just like the deep state, we don't know exactly what they're doing, but we know they have their hands financially tied all over the place to the place that makes... Long Beach run, you know? Right. I think a big part of it for me is like the lack of any, any democratic structure in these organizations. Uh, so it's like a, nationally. Instant red flag, instant red flag. Like opaqueness and lack of oversight or structure. So like nationally, it's like, you know, like Homeland Security and the military. CIA is like a classic example, the deep state, because they do stuff without even like elected officials knowing or having any influence on it. In Long Beach, I guess that's a nonprofit like Pacific Gateway. The police are like this to a certain extent, too, because they get a lot of public money, no oversight. They spend it on the union dues. They spend it on elections. But locally, Pacific Gateway is a good example because like, they get a, a bunch of money. I agree with everything that you two have just said. Um, I think, I think like, it's very interesting how the deep state progresses under neoliberal capitalism because it's like, oh, okay, well, we'll just, we'll just, you know, 
get this other organization, a 501c3, we'll send them government money. They'll create, they'll select their own board. Like there's no one who's going to get voted in. It's just these bodies of, as you're saying, like unaccountable people. I would argue like a lot of representatives are pretty unaccountable anyway. But yeah, I mean, even more so, even less accountable um, with agendas that are opaque in a lot of ways. Yeah, we don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. Exactly. We've tried to figure it out, but <laughs> you'll see. It's harder than you would think to figure out what the fuck they are doing. Right. So today we're, so today we're tackling Pacific Gateway. We're going to start just by like telling you some of their board members, some of the more egregious examples. And I mean, their board on paper, some of it looks okay. Like they have people from unions, which feels a little bit contradictory to me here. Uh, but they also have uh, the chair is a Boeing employee an organizational development Boeing employee, Dr. Kim Armstrong. They also have a member of the founding family of Signal Hill Petroleum, Bradford Bartow. Uh, <laughs> Say that name again. Bradford Bartow. Okay, let's... Of the Bartow family. Just go back in the archives and look up the Signal Hill episode for yeah. some more context. Go ahead. Yeah, opportune plug for the Signal Hill episode. Um, oh, I'm Bradford Bartow. I'm part of the Signal Hill Petroleum family. <laughs> He sounds like a guy from like the Antebellum South. Or something. That's what I was about to say. The dude sounds like he owns people, man. Yeah, he's got yeah. a white suit. Yeah. Oh, I really oh, wouldn't put it past him. He called like, Big Boy. This oh. is the thing. When we went through our Signal Hill episode, like we know Signal Hill Petroleum exists, but I didn't. We didn't realize like, oh, it was started by the Bartow family, right? Like that's the family behind the the organization. So, yeah. We'll meet him one day in a white suit somewhere and stained with blood and oil. On <laughs> um, another, uh, so, so there's a bunch of capitalist entrepreneurs on here, uh, like Frederick Yoring. I don't know exactly how to pronounce her name. They work with Golden State Express, which is essentially like a shipping company. That's there's disturbingly some- close to my name. <laughs> yes. Um, Yoring. Yoring. I think it's like the Scandinavian version. Um, there's some people, some academics, some people okay, from CSULB, okay. LBCC, right. um, like business people, Janet Cornblatt okay. okay. with Scan Health Plan, which is basically an insurance provider mm. that focuses on the senior market. Oh, um, basically they're a lawyer. All right. All you know, right. they, they have all these different qualifications, but they're responsible for managing all of Scan's legal needs, including contracting, negotiating, regulatory compliance, et cetera. So this is basically like, yeah, uh, a healthcare industry stooge, right? Who's, who's in here um, to ensure that the private insurance sector like gets represented. Uh, as far as I can tell, um, we're going to come back to Western Labar in a minute, but the, a few other notables on here. Uh, so Pacific Premier Bank employee, Ade Tisfaya, um, someone from the Department of Rehabilitation, uh, Sandra Brizuela, uh, and what, what did, they, what re- so yeah, I wanted to know too, because I thought it might've been like, okay, like related to department of corrections, like, oh, we're going to rehabilitate people that are getting out and ensure that they have jobs. This one is for, she's, this department is related to people with disabilities actually. Ah, so ensuring like that they get oh. jobs. And so like some of the people on here seem, you know, like maybe they have the interest of actual workers at heart.
But yeah, I wanted us to come back to Western Labar. Uh, and Jordan, you know, you'll you'll help lead us through this a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to take it over from here? About Weston Labar, another man who sounds like he's from the Antebellum South. Uh, as we're about to hear, no, he's actually from Pennsylvania or wherever. Who cares? That's not a real name, by the way. What are you talking about? He made that up. Weston Labar. Come on, that can't be real. <laughs> How is that real? I, I kept reading and I'm like, what is a Weston Labar? He's a ginger white man <laughs> called Weston Labar. Make <laughs> yeah, that make sense, brother. Oh, man. Uh, so this guy is like the president, CEO of some weird thing called Venture 52 Incorporated, which is like this weird um, venture capital firm that funds like transportation startups. And he's also the chair, the president of the um, Harbor Trucking Association. Wait a yep. Transportation startup, like public transport, like what kind of? We have like Vic, you 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 shut you shut the hell up. You don't say that word here. Public public transportation public. No, what? my bad, my bad. My so this bad. this so they fund like companies that like do like container and shipping and trucking. You got let, it. Let, let's give you an idea, Vic, of what type of business we're talking about here that he funds and are part of the trucking association he also runs. We looked up the board of Pacific Gateway. We found yes. Weston Labar. We looked into I, yeah, all these people. I found but it. I found it. Yeah. Miles found that Weston Labar was on this podcast called My Company Story. Yeah, My Company, my company Story. Uh, Five business owners, four business owners. Yep. That's a podcast? Hey, let's yeah. back up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we should have explained. <laughs> That's a podcast that sounds like that? Yep. Yes. Uh-huh. And <laughs> yes, they're audio fuckers. <laughs> So the reason I when pulling this up is these we're, we're going to hear directly from West of the Bar how he and people on this board think. So Vic's question was, what type of companies are we talking about here of being yep. founded up and started? So I think this will be really illustrative. The interviewer, we're going to hear the interviewer a little bit, ask him a question, and then we're going to hear Weston directly. So you're really in a, in, a, in a wonderful position, in a wonderful seat to be sitting at the helm of the Trucking Association and then seeing these opportunities, people come to you with ideas and you've got the Rolodex out there. You're saying, let me make some phone calls. Let me raise some money. Let me create an LLC. Let's invest in your company. Let's get, the, get you off the ground and get you going like that. Can you talk to our audience? Give me an idea of, an, of, of, a, of a company that you did that with. I mean, one that, one that you've proven this with. Yeah, um, and I won't get into fixed numbers and things in that. I don't want to share anything. Oh, don't. And, and you don't need, need, don't need to use real names either, but just give us an idea. Yeah, because we can't well, know who, I'd love who's to involved. because I think this company is such a great success story. Okay. Uh, a company called Secure Space. Uh, they're the essentially what they be? are is the Airbnb of industrial uh, music. Stop. Yep. <laughs> no, 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 no. You can't start off by saying, oh, this is like Airbnb <laughs> and in a positive name. Like, it's the Uber yep. of drugs. <laughs> oh my God. The, the Airbnb for the industrial yeah. shipping sector. Yeah, what's funny is this metaphor uh, even kind of makes sense for what the business does, but it's still fucking insane. Oh my yeah, God. This is insane. the Twitter of fucking. Uh, this is how these people talk. This is the Theranos of fucking. I mean, this is what attracted Pacific Gateway to want to get this person in there. Like that for us is like red. Just red flags all over the place. For them, it's like, ooh, we want you. But it's like, Jesus. yo, it's quantifiable at this point. Airbnb is not a concept. Airbnb has existed. And city after city are like, yo, this is disrupting our whole um, travel industry. So it's happening. It's happening. We're going to places 
I visited places with my parents that had Airbnb yep. there. Now they don't. Why? Why are other cities yep. like banning Airbnb? But we're calling in this fool to be, and he starts off to be like, well, we're like the Airbnb of, like, get the fuck It's out. a still success story for them. I mean, this is the thing. It's such a different, it's not, it's, it's like a different market and it's a different business and a different, completely different thing. So them implementing these same kind of business models in there, like, we don't know how that's going to shake out. We don't, we don't know what effect that'll have. Uh, it's going to disrupt the market. <laughs> it's going to be bad for workers. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's going to be bad for workers, but like in terms of Airbnb, like I'm not so well versed in terms of like all the nitty gritty of the logistics of the international trade market. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, like, I don't, I, no I doubt, guess no that's, doubt. My, that's my point. It's like, we know like, oh, okay, Airbnb, we've seen what Airbnb has done. It's gentrified uh, cities. It's made it much more difficult for people to rent. It's made it much more difficult for people to buy, right? And like that's the effect that it's had on, on the housing market for people. It's shafted workers. I just like I don't I don't know what applying that to this logistic you know this our logistical chain something that is like critically important right now under our current economy to ensure that like people don't starve and people get medicine and also people get a bunch of stupid consumer shit as well. But like yeah, I I guess. You know, I'm. It doesn't bode well. It does no, not bode well. Play it. This a company called Secure Space. Uh, they're essentially what they are is the Airbnb of industrial real estate. Uh, in in our world, if you look at Southern California, for instance, uh, over the last several years, at any given time, you may have less than one half of one percent of available industrial real estate. You're in a what? A public policy climate where it's not very easy to go get a permit to open a new truck yard or our container storage facility. But at the same time, there's a need for it. And if I need 100 slots to park containers for six months, do I really want to go lease a 10 acre parcel of land for, a ye for years on end? So you're really in. A, in a I, yeah, I want to say real quick, like that's the end of the clip. How much land is being occupied by fucking containers sitting somewhere for six fucking months. So that's, there's so much sinister stuff going on here because why is a container sitting there for six months? And the reason is, is because of price control shit. They're yeah. hoarding goods and keeping them off the market for several months. It's not the silent hand mm -hmm. of the market. It's how much profits they want to make. And they're like, well, if we tweak this over here, we make more. It's, I always go back to it. I always go back to this example. Somebody's looking over the fucking slave numbers and they're like, well, if we work them X amount of hours, we get more profits, but you're going to grind them to death. Cool. We'll just get more. And that's the same fucking mentality. They look over the numbers. They're just like, oh, if we do this, we just get more profits. Yep. And that's what they apply to every fucking industry to squeeze out more profits that's why this whole fucking thing is systematic it's whole systematic not bad people doing bad shit but yo if i just do this i make more money and that decision after decision after decision leads to fucking a shipyard of fucking empty containers if i keep baby formula in a container for six months <sighs> i the market uh my good becomes more valuable if i keep these apartments empty my other apartments double in value i mean Looking over the numbers. This is what they're saying. Yeah, that's what he just said. That's what the yeah. startup's for. Why can't we build truck yards? We have, there is empty industrial. He's saying that there's less than half percent of industrial property is abandoned. It's like. I call it bullshit on that's that. That's like yeah, not I true. call it bullshit. It's like open It's impossible. It In California, that's impossible. And I he's mean, saying it's difficult to get a permit. It's like to park a truck. Like, shut up. Come on, dude. 
for an empty container? Come on. Nah, if you want to spew gas in the fucking air, people are going to be pissed. I drive past the port like on a pretty regular basis. And I always just assume like, oh, like there's bottlenecks around like getting containers out. But no, like now I realize like, oh, maybe a bunch of those containers are like just sitting there to accrue more value. And like he's told us that's what happened. So Jesus, you know, there's because there's thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of containers just sitting there. And it's like, oh, it actually probably doesn't have to be that way at all. And this podcast sounds like shit, by the way. Main point of shade. It's uh, that's one of their many crimes. <laughs> he he mentioned like going through the Rolodex, right? And like all these personal relationships. And I think this is important for like, if we're thinking about and talking about like an oligarchy or a deep state as well. Like this person, because of their personal connections, is exercising exactly crazy amounts of influence uh-huh. over. The shipping in Long Beach, one of the largest ports on the Western seaboard. You know, this is another another pointed example. Like, why? You know, like, where's the oversight of this person? His relationships? Like, there, there just there really is not none. Any right? There's none. But Miles, I'm so glad you asked that question because we're about to hear what qualifies this man to have so much undemocratic control over our lives, right? And use our public money and control our port. Well, after you hear a little bit about his background, I think you're gonna appreciate a little bit more why he gets to do this. So, Weston, let's talk a little bit now, if we can, about the challenges that you faced as an entrepreneur, as a businessman, coming into the Long Beach area for, I don't know how long ago you moved here, but, but tell us about the challenges that you faced and how you've overcome those challenges. Yeah, um, probably one of the best experiences I've had because you learn pretty quickly how resourceful you are and how persistent you are. Um, it's hard enough to start a business when you have a community of people around you that are supportive. Imagine moving 3,000 miles away from where that community is and starting a business. And, that, and that's what I did. I can't. Um, out of the money. I, Carpetbagging uh, motherfucker. I started my first business actually <laughs> in college with a buddy of mine who's also extremely, uh, he's been very successful it's in the, the startup world tech in model. America. Um, he bought his first house in the Hamptons. If that tells <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, oh, fuck yourself, man. Come on, dude. Come on. Come on. He's a successful guy. Come on. Such a hater, Vic. Sitting there bitching about, oh, it's so hard. I got to work so hard to do this. So I hooked up with my friend who bought his first house in the fucking Hamptons, man. Come (laughs) on. College business. Come on. For fucking context. The Hamptons are like fucking where the rich people go do their summers at the end of Long Island. It's like the most richest of the richest enclave to exist in New York City. And this is where this guy has a personal relationship to do his thing. About his first house. His first house in the Hamptons. Oh, come on. Well, it gets better. Yeah, for first house. A starter home in the Hamptons. Not terrible. And now it's an investment property. So you see how he thinks. But anyway, uh, we started started a business. And at the end of college, what we... All college. Well, I got this degree. I'm supposed to use it. So he went. So and he, he didn't he have any student thing. loans, huh? I became, oh, um, oh, I became a lobbyist oh, for the real estate industry. I had oh. a degree in business. And at the end of college, what we all thought is, well, I got this degree. I'm supposed to use it. So he went and he, he did his thing. And I became, um, I became a lobbyist for the real estate industry. Oh, my I, I had God. A degree <laughs> in, um, Thank uh, you. Political science, uh, a pre-law designation. Thought I might go back to law school. I graduated college in 2008. You want to talk about a difficult time to enter the workforce. 2008 was probably the most uh, difficult time in recent memory to enter the workforce. How do you know other, that? Other than 2020 right now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, how do you know that? 
We won't even go there. No, so we he's, don't go he's don't talking go about how hard it was to get so, hired as a uh, lobbyist for the so, real estate So industry. I entered the workforce. I got very fortunate. Um, fuck out of here. In 2008, the real estate industry was probably hiring lobbyists left and right. Oh, like, you're probably <laughs> a great labor market for yourself. Well, because they know? were, yeah, rewriting exactly. the laws about the... Uh, the crash they had just caused. Yeah, they, they wanted to make sure like they wouldn't be punished if it happened in the future, you know? That's it. That lobbying worked. Obama didn't sure do did. shit, but give him a bailout. Well, let's just finish up here with, he talks about how hard it was. So this guy like rules over the lives of so many workers and tells them what to do, especially low paid workers. We don't even know. They, we don't, probably they have no idea who he is. Well, of course. So let's hear what, like, he talks about how hard it was for him to, like, he was very fortunate and it was hard to get a job in 2008. Why was it so hard? Let's, let's hear how, like, how did he hustle in that grind set to get this lobbyist job? So, so I entered the workforce. I got very fortunate. Um, I had some connections uh, in the state legislature and in Pennsylvania huh? where I grew up. How? You had connections in the state legislature? And um, I got hired as a connections back to the Mayflower, the Pennsylvania Association of Realtors. That's what got me into trade associations. And uh, from that, from that, I learned um, how to manage myself. My boss was uh, in Harrisburg in the middle of of the state. Um, And I realized if I ever was going to feel really happy about myself, I needed to do something bigger. I I felt like a big fish in a small pond. Where is this going? God felt that the structures of yeah. working for somebody else did not work for me. Oh! That's okay. where it's going, though! Okay. Comrade! <laughs> really, comrade! Oh. oh! So if you're rich... Boss for thee, oh. but not for me. So if you mm. get to go to this fancy school because of your rich parents, mm. and you have connections in the state legislature mm. somehow, mm-hmm. and friends in the Hampton, mm-hmm. and you become a lobbyist, and you, you're like... I don't want to work for a yeah, boss. I don't want a boss. I don't want a boss. Not for me. So you know what? I'll be a boss. Then. I'll be a boss. Get the I'll, fuck I'll, out of here. I'll have all these workers have, like, I'll make their boss an app. That'll be cool. Oh That'll be dope. Lord. Yeah, so this, wow. is, that's, this is the guy. This is one of the main wow. people on the board, dude. Like, Weston, this is how they think. Like, what the fuck? Weston Labar, Ventures 52. Jeez. So, But there's more, right? Uh, let's oh. just play the last one here. Short one. <laughs> Vic. You have some thoughts for this gentleman, right? Yeah. You love contacting people, right? Oh, yeah. Through social media platforms, sometimes to your own detriment. <laughs> uh, I've been off social media on that aspect for a long time now, months. Uh, if you want to get in touch with him, here's how. I- I'm the only Weston Labar in the world. I'm literally that unique. There is no other Weston Labar. So if you cool. go on Google and you type my name in, my LinkedIn profile pops up immediately. And, uh, very rarely do I say no to people who want to oh, Bullshit. I'm calling bullshit on that. Uh, we'll hit up that dude. Yeah. We'll have Weston on the fucking podcast. <laughs> He's like, you have to be really shady for me not to talk to you. It's like, uh, you oh. said what? <laughs> you, and you're in international shipping, you said. So, what type of clients you got, brother? Like, so this is an example of the deep state. Like, total non-democratic influence peddling connecting having sickos sickos that's sickos i i think i think it it's really interesting and illustrative of the close connections between the deep state and members of the oligarchy like i'm not sure that this person is a like multi-millionaire yet but i'm sure they have aspirations to be of course someone and um even if they're not they're still exercising like undue influence as you as you said jordan well, we'll get into the finances a little bit later. 
um, of the Pacific Gateway itself. Because you got to keep in mind, this guy's on the board. He's not even like a paid, technically paid staff. Miles, do you want to talk a little bit about the executive director? Yeah, definitely. So um, the ED for Pacific Gateway is a person by the name of Nick Schultz. Basically, they're they're in charge of coordinating different workforce. This is mainly what Pacific Gateway tries to do. It tries to consolidate and develop like workforce programs to ensure that the port, the oil, health, some certain healthcare sectors, like they continue to have a labor force, right, going into the future. Um, I know from my personal experience, they have a program at Cabrillo High School on the west side trying to get high school students into um, basically port programs, like port jobs, right? Get them some internships so they gain experience and then they're better set up to get a job at the port, which, I mean, there's a whole host of problems there related to like environmental racism and just exploitation. Um but m- mainly it seems like uh one of the one of the programs that I think we've identified that Nick is responsible for trying to implement and get uh you know manifest in Long Beach is the work LB team. Um <laughs> and so we've we've done a little bit of uh digging in here um and it seems like basically it's a platform. They they want to platform labor in the city. Okay. Uh, so, like, by what I mean by platform is like social media platform. So, like, Facebook, like, as a platform for mediating interaction on the internet and social relations, right? That's a good example. But for Long Beach. Right, right. Well, and like another good example could be like Uber, like yeah. the rideshare stuff. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh, those, uh-huh. those are like platforms. You get on a, yeah, okay. It seems like what they're aiming for is a much broader platform that sectors and businesses and, and bosses can just use uh-huh. uh, to like, Basically, implement anywhere. Um, they call it Work LB, and the the like historical trajectory of of this platform is actually mm-hmm. coming from the UK, where another member of Work LB, which is which, by the way, for our audience, Work LB is basically underneath the umbrella of Pacific Gateway. Deep, deep state. It's yeah, the layer. Uh, is a person named Wingham Rowan. And so... Uh, oh, Wingham Rowan. Wingham, Wingham, the most British name ever. If we're going to do podcasts, we can't be making up names, man. <laughs> I, using fake names to protect our identities. <laughs> so I, I have a, a little blurb about who they are, uh, like some of what they've done from the Center for International Governance Inter- Innovation. And so oh, no. I quote here, Wingham mm-hmm. ran UK government programs that developed a platform for quote unquote good gig work oh. within public employment agencies. Oh no! Gigifying no. the no! Gigifying the no! Gigifying no! public employment. No! Funded no. by national philanthropies, he no. has advised multiple <laughs> U.S. workforce here? agencies on options for supporting individuals seeking non. Standard yo, employment. Yo, Standard. this is crazy. Yo, like the mask is off. Like, what do you mean? You can't just be like, yo, you can't gigify fucking public work. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you say? I, I mean, I mean, it's, I think in the recent history, it's become 
a lot more clear that the state, since Reaganomics pretty much, it's become a lot more clear. The, the state has been much more transparent about serving business. And, you know, there's been these like, uh, like Uber, Airbnb, all these things that have like really spearheaded a transition to a different economic model. And I mean, this seems to just be evidence that the state is now like, okay, this is what the capitalists and oligarchy is demanding we do in terms of a transition for the economy. Let's start to facilitate that in every labor market, in every market that we can, yeah. including the public sector. It's like, how could you gigify fucking... So I'm going to call 911, get an ambulance here. Somebody's phone is going to go off on the app and then they're going to fucking come by and pick me up. Or they're going to decline it because you're in the wrong exactly. neighborhood. Exactly. Like, that doesn't make... I, I I don't even know what to say besides that, that that can't work. Well, it can't work. We talked about unions earlier. This is also a big union bust up. Oh, the reason I say this yep. huge. Some of the people on this platform include Long Beach Unified School District, and positions they have on there are instructional aides, recreational aides, which is like I guess helping them on the playground, and nutritional services worker, people who work in the lunch hall and cook the food. So like, these are all jobs that. Probably should be represented by yeah. union work, especially if you work yes. in the, the food hall. Fuck. You're telling me these people are not only going to be not unionized, but gigified? Yeah, they're not even employees anymore. They don't even get health care in the Long Beach Unified School District under this bullshit work LB platform. That's. That, I, no. The Parks and Rec Department are doing this for swimming instructors. Oh, my God. Um, like, and, and like rec uh, camp leaders and stuff, which is shit I used to do for a company. Like, oh, and their biggest thing is home healthcare workers for private corporations. So they're not even employees anymore. They're no. gigifying this shit. No. It's so disgusting. It's, but it won't work. I think it, I think it, 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 it does it will work. work for home healthcare. It will, it will work because look, if. All these people, like maybe not all the the people or jobs that we just discussed, like maybe they're not all unionized, but I would say like the majority of them like have been parts of unions historically, right? If they're gigified, like this is just going to help with gentrification. It's because they're not going to be able to afford to live in Long Beach anymore. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, in terms of the economic development of Long Beach, this is great. All the, they're just figuring out how are we going to keep people like the labor pool continuing to come here? How are we going to ensure that we can get these desperate people to still come to Long Beach to meet these needs yeah. while still uh -huh. gentrifying and uh -huh. ensuring that the people who actually yeah. can afford to live here, well, you know, want the to rich, live here. Yeah. Want the global elite or, or have you know, people locally, like gig workers to bring them their treaty treats and take yeah. care of their kids. Exactly. And exactly. basically like I'm trying to like formulate in my head what this is. I think this is just another way to manage capitalism, manage mm. the tension between yeah. Yeah. Bosses and workers. Well, who's on sure. this board? Union people, man. They're building their own yeah. gallows in yeah. certain ways. But that's just, they're so incentivized. They just, they're like, oh, okay, great. Gig work stuff. Awesome. I mean, also like. <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even process this, man. Like a second step away from being unionized. Like not just an, no longer even an employee that physically could be unionized. I mean, I mean and this is just one part of the programming that Pacific Gateway is trying to implement, right? Jesus. Like that's deep state. And, and, and I mean, what's going to be better for your capitalist or your boss if literally like the entirety of your interaction is now 
exclusively mediated through an app. They don't have an yep. office for you to go to. You don't necessarily know them particularly well. Alienated. Like it's, it's another way. It's another good way to continue the alienation, isolation of workers from their boss to understand who and is exploiting workers. them. And other workers. And other workers. Well played. Well played, Deep State. From the WorkLB website also, and I quote, Without WorkLB engaging, training, scheduling, payrolling, tracking, and supervising, this workforce will be a huge overhead. Right. Good. So the app? Well, that's the thing. Public money is being spent to develop these programs that supposedly help workers so they can get even shittier paying jobs for no health care on this gig work schedule. Who really benefits? They're saying it right here. Businesses have to spend less on overhead. overhead. That's right. it. That's the what? squeeze. That's the money the doesn't squeeze. go to workers. But my tax dollars paid to help with businesses over. That's I what, don't give a fuck. That's what makes this fucking crazy because it's our tax dollars. It's our tax dollars funding this. Like you said, building our own gallows in a circular fucking firing squad. And it's, it's great because also a lot of this is like this. I think this quote, too, is like, you know, the wet dream of the Panopticon, right? Like more and more with this technology, it's like instead of using it to improve our lives, it's like, well, how can we, yeah, eliminate jobs? And B, uh, how can we just basically observe worker behavior more to squeeze even more value out of them? And like, that's great. It's going to increase those profit margins. Uh, and all funded by taxpayer money. It's fucking great. Well, not all. That's true. Not all. A not lot. All. A good portion of it. But Work LB is also funded by Workforce agencies from states and cities around the nation have worked on plans for launch in the U.S. Long Beach was chosen to go first. Our preparations oh, right. were funded by the Annie Casey Foundation, Walmart Foundation, Kaufman Foundation, Wells Fargo, and the Irvine Foundation, and something called the Workers Lab. So there is private money in this. It's not like it's yeah. not all public, but even that private money is all tax-free. I mean, this is Wells Fargo's bag, right? Aren't they one of the largest uh, funders of private prisons? Like, I have no idea. That I don't. So know. funny you say that because there, these Pacific Gateway also does programs in prisons and private prisons to help help uh, incarcerated people get back into the workforce and work on their skills. They need workers. They'll get them from everywhere. They won't discriminate. So that's like the other slice of the pie here is Miles just laid out really well for us, the work LB, but that's just a, a slice. Like there's also like, they do so much stuff. Supposedly they do the prison programs. Miles, you were talking about the school thing, right? Yeah. They definitely have workforce development in schools. Yay. Um, they also offer like online skill courses. I was poking around all their stuff. They offer these like weird, uh, what's that? like lynda.com style, I guess, stuff where you can like do online courses mm -hmm, to mm -hmm, improve mm -hmm. your work skills mm -hmm. and get badges and shit. Like neoliberals, like they love this shit, man. Having like some poor worker who gets fired sit around, if they even have a laptop, doing these like online courses they can tell an employer like, I'll go to course on whatever thing that you should have trained me on. Yeah, it's, it's like, like horrible. It's not good enough that I could, that I like, and even then sometimes, you know, they want people to do these courses. They've been working the job for like 10 years already. It's like, what? It's just not good enough. Like, I can do the job. I can already do the job. Or what? train me. Yeah. Or train on me the on clock. the job. 
they also do career advice stuff. So you can like email a career advisor or whatever. Uh, and they'll do automated resume review. This reminds me of my shitty like college career center. Like this is Grimm's. Like we pay for this. Yeah. $3 million in grants from all levels of government and fundraising. Come on. Like where are these grants coming from? So just one last thing before we move on to funding. Vic, can you hit the, the link that says in person under programs for me? This is kind of the, one of the last pieces of their umbrella. I want you to just tell us what type of events are we getting for when we pay for this? All right. We're getting a hiring event happening for U.S. vets. Woo. All right. We got our open house, whatever that means. We also have Long Beach Youth Festival. Yay. How was your job impacted by COVID-19? Uh, some more Long Beach youth climate shit, community fair, community fair, hiring event, LBCC hiring event. Yeah. So it's all like, they, they also do like job fairs and shit, which yes, like on paper, it's like, we're connecting people to jobs. And it's like, even by the liberal paradigm, it's like, well, how effective is this crap? Like, exactly. Yeah. Or, hey, when you do a task, you have a goal. And then you reassess your goal after the task is done to be like, did I achieve my goal or did I did not? So I need to make changes. What the fuck happens here? Who's tracking any of this? Millions of government money going into this. some brass tacks here part of what i was researching was the finances of pacific gateway and like vic said like they must like they get these grants right and they must have some metric of success they need to measure and you would think like they're a nonprofit, right like we should be able to get the information about like they have to make irs filings so yeah. i'm just gonna say straight up on the top i looked into this fairly extensively I can only find an IRS filing from 2011. And when I dug in, all the websites that like host IRS files said, oh, they only have it from 2011. The IRS is the really backed up making like oh, documents public. Oh, okay. All they have is they're like filing documents when they formed Pacific Gateway. Mm, yeah, they get all these exceptions because, well, they're working, they're working with the government, right? It's a public-private partnership. So, you know, Jesus. it's okay. We're going to lay off them. Well, I think a lot of nonprofits must, I don't know, I'd have to dig into other ones, but like, that's crazy, man. Yeah. And that's crazy. So I did get financial information on them from their budget, which I managed to dig up, but I couldn't find information. Like, I'm really interested in executive salaries because the, like the ED of this place has to be like making away with like baller money. Of with course. Money, right? Of course. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's our money. So just to give you an idea they pull in $15 million a year of revenue about. From what? This is from 2020. That's a great question. Um, a lot of it's federal funding um, under like labor programs. And <sighs> another big section, a lot of it, I'd say about like roughly half is federal, I'd say. About 25% is like state and city. And then about 25% is like- um, Private private but those are through these foundations which are just passed through fundraisers so these mm. foundations get fundraisers from rich people 
They write it off on their taxes. And then the Irvine Foundation gives money to Pacific Gateway, who does the, quote, does the services. And keep in mind, both are taking, like, big overheads yeah, off of the top Of course! Here. Yeah. It's, come on. Big overheads. Come on. Yeah, everyone gets a taste. So the long, like, and about two-thirds of the money's for adult program, a third for youth. The Long Beach Homeless Program alone was $300,000. And the L.A. City and County Youth uh, Foster and Probation System, which is a dark, dark place, also gives this organization $500,000. Wow. To work with youth. And these are the kids that are getting locked up, put in probation, having to pay for probation, probably, like getting put in foster programs. And we're and giving this company all the... I- yeah, I mean, and we don't even know the criteria for for these programs, right? It's like these these kids could be getting funneled in here and like part of the probation is like you need to remain in this program and like exactly. become part of the exactly. Workforce. Exactly. Like, exactly. Oh, you got sent to jail or prison or or you committed some crime. Here's your option. Now you are are you're on this line, right? This is the opportunity you have. This is what you can go do. Mm-hmm. And you're going to go do this. And it's like if they're going to work at the port like what is that doing to their lifespan and and their quality of life? Like, I mean, maybe it is giving them some some wealth that like they could go live like in some satellite city and not in Long Beach proper because it's going to be gentrified and way too expensive to live there. But like, th- you know, this is the track. It's but, like we are determining your track. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, it's not whether you're, they're trying to get them a job. It's like they already have these pre-set up programs. Yeah. So it's just like, well, you could either not do the program. Or you could do this. And, of course, they incentivize to do the program. The program that they set up mm-hmm. with our tax dollars. And these, it seems like so circular somehow. Yeah. To create yeah. a specific workforce. Exactly. And, quote, train them. Exactly. Like, it's all, just a mediation. Like, so that the employer doesn't have to do it. It's like, what? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. No, no talk of, like, they're talking about, oh, well, it's good jobs. We try to make it, like, at least $18 an hour. I think they mentioned vaguely somewhere. I don't even know if that's true. It's like no actual control so or <laughs> responsibilities of the employer even because now they're not paying health care, for example. So even if it's true that you get paid $18 an hour, now you don't get yeah. health care. I, I frankly, I work for fifteen if I got healthcare rather than eighteen. No healthcare. Word. I, I mean, yeah, it just feels like this identification that, like, hey, we need to ensure that the labor market is always going to remain favorable to our businesses. Yeah, and yes. and it's like the and it Long means- Beach city government was like, and and the county, it seems like too, and the state, and also the Fed yeah. were like, yeah, you're right. We do need to ensure that you're always going to have a great labor pool to draw from so you can keep salaries yes, down. Mediation. And like, it's the mediation of that tension. And this is it. Pacific Gateway is, is that, that creation. Yeah. They are there to manage and uh-huh. ensure that there is a labor pool always available to specific sectors. Wherever they may get it. Yeah. Wherever and, that labor yep. pool may be. High to school, ensure the cost remains low. Prisons. Yes. Exactly. The cost remains low. That's, that's the we, main point. We knew the labor, because the, we also have to realize, we're talking about providing workers. We have to realize that these workers are disposable in the system. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. You work, you work yourself to death doing home health care for $15, $18 an hour, um, horribly. And then you either quit, maybe die. Uh, I don't know, something bad happens to you. Get evicted? Who knows? Have to uh-huh. leave where you job. live because yeah. you don't get paid enough? And then Work the next, another job? And then your poor fucking kid, they need a job when they, uh-huh. they're that age, and they, they go right back into the same system that you got trapped. Well, thankfully in their school, there's this great program where they can learn to become, you know, 
uh, you know, a port worker or or a dr- truck driver, maybe, um, or maybe even an underwater welder. It's so, this revenue. Like, here's the weird thing about their finances. This nonprofit is so weird because, by their own admission, they're telling me that they only three million dollars of the the fifteen million is from grant money. So what I mean by that is, mm-hmm. like. Only three million is technically accountable to like an actual program. Like for example, LA County gave them three hundred thousand dollars for this weird, really roundabout like COVID reimbursement for workers who got lost their job because of COVID. It's some anti-mask shit, probably. <laughs> Maybe it's like beans tested to hell. All this is really complicated. They have an emphasis on like people who lost their jobs during COVID and are victims of domestic abuse and quote unquote human trafficking that's a whole episode in itself it's funny money man like you're telling yeah. three million of it yeah. is even accountable and yeah. the accountable stuff is like di- like meager direct payments to some people mm-hmm. yeah it's what? like um giving money to like dark money that's what it is basically it's like yeah. another form of dark money like it's untraceable you don't know where it came run where it came from on the front end where who got it who solicited that money you know, some like it's hard right. to get that much, eh, depending who you know. Well, the foundations <laughs> are even more, yeah, hard to figure out. Exactly, like Bill Gates and like just rich yeah, people no laundering money that. through them because the private money's through foundations, the public money's through the government, which is a lot of it's not even grant based. It's, it's really weird paying their overheads, uh, Pacific Gateways overheads, I should say. Like for example, if we look at their expenditures. Like only 1.5 million was any form of direct reimbursements to workers, which also gets money taken off to administer the payments, mm. which is very complicated because you have to submit a lot of paperwork to. And this prove is out of 14 million dollars. Out of 14, yeah, 14 to 15 million, their freaking salary and wages for the Pacific Gateway employees is like over five million. Jesus, and it's really hard to tell. I I, I can't just point and say, well, that's all overhead. Because, like, wait, are some of these people running the programs? How many employees do you have? How much of that is the executive pay? I would love to have these answers, but after a lot of digging, I can't figure this shit out. And I don't think anybody else can either because they don't do IRS. Nobody has their IRS filings. I'm sorry, I should correct myself. If I had sent a letter to the IRS with a fee, they might have <laughs> been able to send me some of this shit. But to be honest, I didn't have time to do that for this episode because I don't even know if they'd respond to the letter. Right. I mean, the IRS might take like, it's almost tax season. The IRS might take like four months to get back to us. And even if they don't, like, why do I have to go to all these extreme lengths just to yeah. figure out what the overhead on a nonprofit is? That's like yeah. a basic metric on like most nonprofits. Like, what's the overhead? And we didn't really mention this, but I see here that uh, in your research, you found out like their office space costs them $700,000 a year. Yes. With $300,000 office supplies. But what are they buying? What well, the what are they doing over there? Their main stuff is at the airport. Yeah. And they have this weird satellite office in San Pedro. Wow. But still, almost three quarters of a million dollars. I mean, for what? And I mean, they have a really big office. office. Dude, the board alone, the board members we talked about, they rack up $80,000 a year in expenses for the board meetings. Expenses. Oh, my God. So that means like- For board meetings, $80,000? Well, I I assume they're including like retreats that they probably do. 
paying their travel expenses because I'm sure these fuckers fly in. Meals. Oh, my Meals, God. Uh, yeah. Secretaries. To Security. Take notes. They probably fly, yeah, with assistance. Yeah. Something also just about where their office is. Like, if this is supposed to be workforce development, because I went there and there were workers there trying to go through, like, trainings and fill out paperwork, right? It's by um, Willow and Spring, if you know where I'm talking about, that intersection. Uh, yeah. Like, that's not easily accessible no. for a worker. So if they don't have a car, like, how do you get there? How do you get there? Why isn't that at, like, a very, like, if it's truly, if this is the point of it, right? Why isn't it at a really accessible, like, intersection of, like, bus and railway, right? <laughs> like, why isn't that where the building is? Why? Because Tony needed a fucking deli to run his business out of, bro. That's why. It's a front. It's a fucking front. All this is a front. And it's that's why it makes it like Deep State was like, ha, 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 Long Beach, Deep State. But no, 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 no. Yes, this is the fucking Deep State. All these weird things that don't add up. The only thing that does add up is like $700,000 office space. Like that, that, it was a big office. Seven hundred thousand dollars a year. Go buy a building, like, and you don't have to spend that anymore. Actually, could yep. finance a building for that money. That's what I mean. Like, for, like, and you've got a real estate guy on your board. Exactly. Like, he can't figure this out. So this is just money being just money being spent and just divvied about. And some, you get some of this, you get some of that. And my assistant comes with me. She's yeah, a friend yeah. of that person, and we're working here. You build that. Like, it's just like. Oh, hey, that catering company, that's my boy. You use him. Like, that's all this is. And yeah, it's about as deep state as you could possibly get. You look, can't look, get more deep state than this. I'm sure Weston Labar ensured that the 700000 leasing fee was a steal. <gasps> you know, with, all the, with all the connections he has in the real estate uh, sector, you know, I, you know, as a lobbyist and whatnot, I'm sure that, you know, he made sure it's a good deal. Like, we just don't know. You know, we're just we're just not savvy like that. I guess our main point here is like we're not complaining from a libertarian perspective of like the damn government spending money on like it is fucked up. This is public funds, of course. But we're saying this is spent at the exclusion of any sort of social exactly. safety net in this country. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of spending the right amount of money to house people uh -huh. or make sure if you lose your shitty gig work job or whatever that you don't like, you know, literally die on the street instead of spending, you know, uh, a reasonable amount of money to get that done. We throw uh, still significant amount of money at these like just absolute paltry bullshit assistance programs for these people, yeah. mediated by like three levels of nonprofit. Uh huh. And these we heard these people speak. They are not geniuses. They are fucking fools. It's literal fools. I wouldn't buy fucking a paper cup from Weston, let alone finance hundreds of millions of dollars with something that this person does. It's, I mean, Weston said it. They got where they are because yeah. of connections. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. He, right? He's so open about that. I so didn't open. even yeah. put that in the edit. Mask he like, says that 20 times in that interview. Mask off, yeah. man. Mask off. Oh, hard work. Oh, and, you know, anybody could do it. In and the he's United saying States. he's helping other people get connections. It's like, yeah. no, dude. Like the people in your circle, maybe. But these workers, no, you're just literally plugging them in like fucking batteries into these companies to be disposable. They're not getting connections no uh -uh. right i'm sure if someone reached out to you and they didn't say the right restaurant and they didn't have a they weren't wearing a suit in yeah. your linkedin profile you're not gonna go meet up nah, with them nah. uh -uh. That's unless BS. they're very shady he will so i don't know uh, 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 weston it's 
he's that type of American who still exists. And he, I guess he's around our age if he graduated in like 2000. He's not that old, yeah. actually. He's not and that he old. He graduated in 08. He's probably around my age. Oh. Probably like mid 30s, 35, 30 to Miles. 36. I know. I've if gone you on, had the hustle wrong on path, that grind set. You know? yeah, I, if you had just like, you know, started yeah. a business with your friend in college. I mean, you know, it didn't occur to me to use my connections in the New York State legislature to <laughs> yeah. ensure that I could get into the real estate lobbyist positions. I don't know what I was thinking. Like, this is wild. shame on me. This is wild, this deep state. This and, is. And this and is the thing. I understand it more. Yeah. But. Now that I understand it more and know how much money is being flowed through it and what yep. they're trying to do, it it's like the black hole has gotten deep, you know? And we have only kind of scratched oh, the surface of this thing. Yeah. We just picked oh, my Lord. the gateway. I mean, this is funny. Yeah. We could be building like massive, a, a couple massive public housing projects in cash per year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like this right. is money, money. Yeah. And uh, hey, I wonder like if workers would be able to find a job if they had stable housing and could like oh. wash their clothes and take showers consistently. I mean, yeah, and that's the European model of like capitalism, right? Yeah. Like you can provide basic social safety nets and healthcare, for example, to uh -huh. workers. Yeah. So you have a workforce. And you have a workforce. So this is like this isn't even like a really like socialist no. communist perspective. No. Uh -huh. no. We're really saying here, like this is just like where the money in the government. That's what I'm saying. It's just like a mediation of some sort. Uh, just so, you know, you'll get your workers, we'll get our money, and then that's it. And that's the end of it in their mind. It's like, we did the thing. Pacific, yep. this exists. Other things like this exist. Thank you for the workers. Here's your money. Here's your payoff. And that's that. And if you're a politician, you point to it as this is what places us. You're like, look at all the great stuff we did. Exactly. Yeah, we didn't yeah. build any housing, but like, That's hey, the... check it out. You could go get your resume looked at at this work center. All this money could be spent on more fundamental things, like just basic like housing and stuff to take care of people. In Public kitchens. Public kitchens. Direct payments. Direct payments. Direct payments. That are not, uh, you know, 30% of which is not taken off the top yeah. by some administration nonprofit. Or uh -huh. whatever, because mm -hmm. the means testing or whatever it is. Like, these people do not need to exist whatsoever. That's a good place to wrap it up. Wow. That was... <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So, uh... Deep state shit. Goddamn. Uh, we'll be back next year with more, and this is going to be a running series, for yeah. sure. The deep yeah, state, yeah. Long Beach deep state. There's more of them out there, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> these are icebergs, bro. Yeah. Like, I didn't know we were going to be hitting a 15 million <laughs> iceberg this episode. Yeah, and they're all floating around Long Beach, man. Right? They're all we all sort of know. It's like, oh yeah, I see that tip over there. I know, I know what that is. Yeah. Oh, they, they clean the street, right? Yeah. What's up with them? Oh uh, shit. Oh, they help workers. Yeah, I've seen that. Oh, like the red shirt private security guards. I think they're part of the downtown Long Beach Development Association. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh yeah. 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 Oh yeah. yeah. A lot more than that. Mm -hmm. Kind of. All right. Well, more to come. More to come. I hope that our audience enjoyed this episode. Uh, we appreciate you very much for listening. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. This is Miles. And I'm Vic. And I'm Jordan. And don't forget to ask yourself, wait, why, why am, am I, I talking? talking?